This is Mission Disco, a conversation about imagination, innovation, and Christian mission in Ireland and beyond. I am Simon Kilpatrick. And I am Brian Sanders. We are your DJs for this conversation. Um, how are you doing, Brian? Uh, oh, I wasn't expecting that question. <laughs> You don't have to answer truthfully. You could just joke and just say, oh, I'm fine. I'm grand. <laughs> Sorry, that's how you do it. Yeah, I should have known. <laughs> well, you say something you want. All my kids are sick, man, so... All of them? Well, I only have two here, but that's... Okay, yeah. you don't have a girl. Yeah, it's yeah. not good. So every day it's a fight to get them to go to school. They don't think they should go to school because they have a cold. sore throat or whatever. Yeah, cold. I'm trying to tell them that's not really sick. That's not proper sick. If you're not throwing up. <laughs> Although, I should say... Skyler's not been eating much, maybe because he's sick. So we just were like, you look, man, you got to eat something. And he really likes McDonald's. So, you know, yesterday we were going to, uh, I was going to go serve in St. Catherine's Sunday morning. So we stopped by McDonald's. We think, well, he loves McDonald's. On the way in. Yeah, he loves breakfast. McDonald's. So we'll get him McDonald's for breakfast. He just doesn't want to eat. So I'm like, look, just eat half this sausage McMuffin Mush. thing. No, no. And so he does. He forced it down. He's being a good soldier. <laughs> and then as we're walking out, he just throws up right, oh, right no. in the street. He throws up. And then all the Irish seagulls came and started <laughs> eating. <laughs> McDonald's, when you have a sick stomach, isn't great, though, is it? The seagulls were happy. Yeah. Well, anyway, I don't think McDonald's is ever a good idea. No, it never is. Uh, but I, I was just trying to meet the kid halfway. <laughs> But it didn't Bring work out. It didn't work out. Um, how'd you get on St. Catharines? Go well? Oh, it's it really beautiful. It's a real open-hearted congregation and um, love Owen. I met some met some really sincere people. So just another another place in Ireland that's, you know. That likes you? Well, I was going to say that I like or that <laughs> winning my heart over. But yeah, hopefully they... I'm sure they appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah, they're great. Um, we've changed our recording venue. We now have a dedicated <laughs> recording studio. We're in the cave. <laughs> we are. We're in the mission lab. Um, and there's a small little room that is up that has re- no real stairs that acts to access it on a stage, <laughs> which was cleared out during the summer. Mm-hmm. And it's a little room, which is a cave. There's no daylight. Just a little hole in the wall. It's just old bricks. It's like a cell, really. Or like a torture chamber, maybe. Just imagine, <laughs> imagine cold bricks in a torture chamber. Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. But it's a good recording studio. Great, the sound seems good. Perfect. Well done. Good job. Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about um, measurement, how we measure stuff in ministry or in church. Um, so I think the church has measured lots of different things in the past. Um, some of those have been good things, and some of them maybe have been. Um, not so good and we become obsessed with them what do you brian what do you see as the things that the church maybe measures in the states like i was reading something there recently and they were talking about looking at attendance looking at buildings budget that kind of stuff would that be true so i was trying to think about what yeah. ireland irish churches measure it's funny i was i was i was at a big conference maybe a couple of years ago and there was one of the seminar titles was butts in seats like how to get butts in seats. it was literally, and that was they were telling you it wasn't a yeah joke. It, was, it was just out there for all no, to see really? like <laughs> how to get people that in brazen <laughs> like we're, we're not even going to pretend 
that that isn't our primary metric. It's just butts and seats. How many people show up on a Sunday morning and sit in your main auditorium for an hour? That's wow. So I'd say that's probably the maybe the most significant metric is just how many people are you running on a Sunday morning. Um, it's it's interesting because even people that don't want that to be their primary metric or sort of evade that it's still there. It's it's there in between every two church leaders who meet. It's mm. this sort of elephant in the room. Um, but I, I'd say the other two maybe would be um, income or assets, something to do with money. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that would be a pretty important met- metric probably. Um, maybe assets. I don't, I don't know. What, what, yeah. how, how big is your building? That sort of thing. How many square feet or whatever. I don't know. Aside from that, I wouldn't say see any like ubiquitous church metrics that everybody's agreeing on. Um, it's hard. Maybe there would be a small group sort of component to some churches and yeah. how many of those that you have. But I wouldn't say it's like a winning metric. It's not something you're saying, look, we're going to die on this hill, you know. And the and the and the money and the buildings and the butts and seats i think i think are what we would have to call like vanity metrics they're Mm. they're not transformative metrics nobody really believes anymore no no serious thinking ecclesiologist or missiologist that i know of would argue a bigger budget and more people on sunday morning is transformative Mm -hmm. to cities or in the delivery of the gospel or whatever so I think we're stuck the, without new. We're stuck without a new. Yeah, I mean, game. you can yeah. see why we've come up with those. I suppose because they're much more quantitative. We can measure them. We can see them. There is a figure at the end of the day. I was trying to think about what Irish churches would measure. I don't know if you've any taken that. I think probably numbers is one thing. Although whether people care that much about the numbers, the other one I wondered, and it's a harder one to measure, but it's the witness, and especially outside Dublin, I wonder is the if you're a denominational church that you have a witness in the town that you're still there. And that's a measurement. How many years you've been there <clears throat> that you've been able to stick it out. Oh, interesting. Because I don't know what I can think of. I don't think... So history in some way. Yeah, maybe. We've been here for this long. We've kept our doors open for well, this. You, yeah, you, even just yesterday being at St. Catherine's, they had a, they're had sort of they're about to celebrate their 250th mm. anniversary. So there's a kind of a balloon 250 up in okay. the front. And maybe that is an interesting thing yeah. to celebrate. Actually, it is meaningful. Yeah. yeah. You know, how long have we been here? Um, the the legacy of witness over time. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. In terms of things that we measure, you have, I was talking to you earlier before about this, uh, in thinking about measurement, I suppose in the underground you do measure some things, but you had been talking a little bit about that, I um, can't remember what it's called, good heart effect, was it? Well, it's hard, yeah. I mean, maybe the first question is just should we at all? I think, I think there's certain people that might argue that that, you know, when we're overly concerned with numbers that that leads us away from the heart of the kingdom of the gospel but i'm not one of those people i do i do think that if you if you measure nothing uh you risk you know you you risk not organizationally at least caring about anything yeah yeah uh, if if you don't say this is important to us so important that we will note it and of course, there's plenty of precedent in the Bible 
for counting things. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly in the Old Testament, this is this is not just historical narrative, like how many people were there and so on, but but sometimes a demonstration of God's presence in a thing, in an enterprise. You know, this this many people. I you know think of Acts two. Yeah. The the people added the number of people that were added and yeah. and the frequency of daily kind of conversions and um I don't know I I'm I've always been pretty pretty moved by the the story of the ten lepers you know where Jesus heals ten lepers and then only one returns to give him thanks and he asks the question a really actually kind of a provocative metrics question, which is where are the other nine? And presumably, who's he asking that question to? It's to the the singular leper that's come back Mm -hmm. to give thanks. But it's also to the disciples. You know, he cares, it seems. He notices that only one out of ten has returned. And and that 10% just somehow it is, it's insufficient to him it doesn't he's unhappy like Mm -hmm. why aren't all 10 here he he cares he's concerned about all of them the story of the you know the shepherd uh with 100 sheep and loses one doesn't he go after the one it's the concern for even just one Mm -hmm. who's missing but that all implies counting right it's not we can't be we can't be afraid of it and we've kind of maybe gone from one extreme to the other where you can you can count everything and you, you count the amount of money, you count the budget, you count the amount of people there to the other extreme of not counting anything and just being, I don't know, you just wander on through. And I don't even know if it's a middle ground. It's maybe just finding something else to count. And I think the, the, the struggle to count transformation is that it's a hard thing to quantify. How well, it can feel, I think that? it can feel unspiritual to talk mm-hmm. about metrics. And then it can, it, can, it can sort of seem to be more spiritual to say, well, we don't care about numbers. Yeah. You yeah. know, it doesn't matter to us. Uh, but the truth is, if you what you measure, you go after, you chase. Mm-hmm. So you know, you, you asked about the underground. You know, we did make a conscious choice early on not to count people, and that's I, I think what you choose not to count is also important. Yeah. You know, it, it says something about we won't chase this metric. We don't think it's the critical thing, at least not for now. <laughs> so we've never known. I've never been able to say there's this many people involved in the underground. Never what we chose instead to count was microchurches. So we always knew, we were always pretty close within maybe plus or minus five of how many microchurches were in the local network, that citywide network. Um, and Why that, did you choose to measure those then rather than people? Well, because we knew that if, if, you, if, you, if you make the number of people involved what matters to you or what you count, then that's what matters to you and that's what you'll chase. And then you'll build systems to get more people. Yeah, yeah. And that's not we, we didn't want to do that. You know, I, we, we thought that would potentially undermine or infringe on the autonomy of the microchurch. So instead, say, we just want to support microchurches and we want to serve them. So whether they're big and reaching lots of people, because that's the other problem, then it would, you would, your system would be biased towards the bigger, yeah. more successful microchurches. The microchurches with 100, 200, or 300 people will get all of our time and energy because, well, they're adding to our numbers, which if that's what we really wanted and cared about, and counted, then it would be hard not to be biased in that way. But because we said we just want to count microchurches, then our bias became towards starting, actually. So as opposed to let's just serve the the 50 microchurches we have or the 100 microchurches we have. No, we, we always want more. 
We always want to see mission in more places. And we want to be helping people that are called to every kind of possible place. So that we did want to see that number grow. We did want to celebrate every time a new microchurch was planted or entered our network. <clears throat> but again, that's I think that's an important maybe dynamic here is if you know if you measure nothing, it's in a sense you care about nothing. Um, but what you measure is what you care about and what you will what you will chase or how you i guess how you will assess whether or not we, are we doing what we've set out to do or are we doing what we feel mm -hmm. god has called us to do you know yeah i think there's probably i'm probably not one that thinks too much about counting but i probably do have i definitely do have things in me that i do count and want to count but I haven't necessarily articulated those you've made a very explicit point of going we're counting microchurch and this is what we're counting whereas probably in ignite we have people who or maybe counting slightly different things and that can maybe cause some problems as well that people are counting different things and putting different emphasis on different things they yeah. have different um biases towards um certain things what kind of so we're talking about you know you're talking about the underground talking about micro churches if we're talking to irish churches irish churches are mainly i suppose all relatively small so they're not going to count numbers um <clears throat> maybe have a sunday gathering and maybe some stuff during the week what kind of things should we be considering counting? Or, or, yeah, or where, you talked a little bit about if if we count one particular thing, then we go after those things. Are there dangers then if we go after particular things and we end up getting obsessed with those? Like you talked to... Um, yeah, that's, so that's what uh, what's called Goodhart's Law. I think it's, it's named after a guy called Charles Goodhart. Um and it's the idea that whatever you measure, whatever you target as a measurement, you then undermine that measurement by targeting yeah. it. Like something changes Schrodinger's cat or something. Mm -hmm. by, by making that your measurement, by targeting something in particular, you then begin to undermine the measurement itself. So, <clears throat> you know, conversions could be an example of that. So we're, we're going we're gonna to be interested in conversions. So you start chasing conversions. So then you start... Um, manufacturing conversions you know i heard of a church that that gets has altar calls and they get people to uh christians to fake conversion like they to, ask them to, to raise their, yeah they ask about 30 people to sort of create critical mass so they'll come down and pretend like they're they're okay. uh, making a decision so that so that it makes other people feel they open go. to come down yeah. which is you know that's questionable logic you know let's let's be deceptive so mm -hmm. that we can but it's all about chasing that and then what do you really have you know now you're calling something a decision which is just really you were good at moving a person out of their seat to maybe enter into a, a prayer with yeah. you but is that really conversion is that really discipleship and so you know i think good the best example of goodhart's law is i th i think soviet russia they had factories and i think this really happened where they would say okay we're going to pay you or we have a quota based on number of nails that they would produce so like a metal factory where they were producing so they would nails. Pay the, it was yeah. well it's like you have to produce so many nails and so what they did is they just produced tiny tiny nails thousands of tiny tiny nails that were almost useless they were so small and so the it takes a while for the bureaucracy to catch up with this and say, well, this isn't this is what we need at all. <laughs> these aren't these aren't useful nails. Okay, well, we obviously 
we don't have the right metric here. So they said, well, let's make it by weight, weight of nails. And so sure enough, the same factory starts producing these massive, like bicycle sized nails, <laughs> <laughs> which were heavy and meeting the new quota. Uh, th- that, that's a great example of Goodhart's law. Um, another example would be what's, what's called the Cobra effect because of a, a sort of uh, story of, I think maybe British ruled India where they, the governments, they had a cobra problem. Actually, the snakes were sort of free, too many loose cobras in the cities. And so they, they started offering, um, you know, payment quota for dead cobras. If you brought them a cobra, you'd get compensated, paid in some way. Well, of course, what that, what happened is people started breeding cobras to, to sell back to the government to get even more cobras. So they're actually breeding, creating more cobras. And then, of course, the government catches on to this. Is, oh, well, this isn't the point at all, is it? Like, it's we, we meant to rid the cities of cobras, not to add them. So we're being played here. So they they stopped the program. And then, of course, what happened? Everybody just released their cobras. Uh, so there's even more cobras. So now you have more cobras than ever before. That's an example of, like, you, you sort of target something. And it's, it's actually called the law of unintended consequences. So something you didn't mean to happen begins to happen because you made this your mm. target, your metric. So we always have to be considering that, looking out for that. And I think I think the answer is to, to always be asking what's behind the metric, really, to not reduce the kingdom to these things. I think the people coming on a Sunday morning is a great example. There's nothing wrong with that. We, of course, you want to see. Why why wouldn't you want to see more people worshiping in your in your place on a Sunday morning? It's it's a fine thing to care about, right? But but we can all see how that the unintended consequences of making that our singular metric has actually undermined what we really want. So asking the question, "What should you measure?" You really have to ask the deeper question: "Well, what do you really want? What what are you hoping to see?" Uh, and then I think, you know, I'm a big fan of of feedback loops and learning systems. So you have to be ready and willing to adjust those metrics, you know, mm-hmm. um, if they're not. And I wonder, is that the key that we, metrics aren't bad, but it's, yeah, what's behind them? And then are we willing to change them? Do we always count them? Because I think you're right. I think people on Sunday morning is something we should be aware of. If numbers are going down, then what's behind that maybe lots of those that's people good. are serving yeah. somewhere else on a sunday morning and that's a positive thing i remember reading in a book and i've seen it a few places elsewhere so i don't know who was the original quote what was from but it talked about not measuring um seating capacity but measuring sending capacity mm. so what's the sending capacity of the church and that's it's not it doesn't make the measurement much more easy but at least then if you if you saw your numbers going down on a sunday morning you go well you know, we're doing a terrible job or actually maybe those people are elsewhere and doing other things and they just happen to come less often now. So it's been aware of what's going on behind those and thinking about the, yeah, how do we, how do you measure ascending capacity? How do you measure whether those people are engaged in their workplaces? Or what anything? a great question. I yeah. mean, well, and, and there, there's part of the problem too, because I think who, who are the people that want to count how many people are coming on Sunday? Probably the people that have a lot of people coming on Sunday. Probably. Yeah. You're right. You don't hear people posting about the eight people they have. And who are the people saying, ah, that's not important. We don't care about numbers here. Well, it's probably the, you don't care about numbers because it makes you feel bad to look at your numbers. So I don't know that that's even an honest reflection of our hearts or our desires. And I do think there is, there is a degree to which, 
you know, because because part of what I do is work with nonprofits who have boards and answer to donors and those kind of things, not just churches proper, but nonprofits that exist that sort of have a, a tax exempt purpose or you you have to are you accomplishing what you set out to mm-hmm. accomplish and and can you answer to that to to someone yeah. to to your board or to your donors people that give money like if you say you mean to i don't know help orphans get educated or find homes or something like that well are you and if you're not counting that if you're not mm-hmm. saying well we helped six orphans this year or we helped a hundred orphans this year, or last year we helped 15, but this year we only helped one. Well, that's important information. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's, it's what you call like the, what the kind of the confrontation of the brutal facts. Are you, are you willing to really look at mm-hmm. your situation? And so it metrics or our response to metrics can't be so self-serving as to say, well, the numbers don't look good, so let's now act like we don't care yeah. about numbers. But likewise, let's not just say, well, these numbers look good for us, so let's talk about these. Let's yeah. make these yeah. the things that matter. And and you're saying, okay, not seeding but sending. Well, what an interesting thing to ask. Well, how would we measure sending? How would we count sending? Because I think if we're, mentioned, if we're measuring seeding, then a, a person with a church of 10 or 15 people don't compare to a church of 100 people or 150 people. But actually, they have maybe more potential for sending yeah. than the bigger church. If they considered, if they weren't measuring numbers, but actually going, well, how can we send the 12 people that we have here? Was we gather on a Sunday morning? What, what does that point. look like? Yeah, and, and, actually, and actually to not just acquiesce or to, to chicken out of metrics altogether, you know, but to say, okay, we have 50 people in our congregation. Um, Maybe it's a heroic thing to keep 50 people for mm-hmm. the next five years in the context you're in. I don't know. But but what what will you count? What will you say, okay, well, currently we have this many people, you know, bringing a visible witness into some mission context. And we're going to count that. We're going to start counting that. Right now we have three of our 50 people that do that. Or communities who are bringing a visible witness into some mm-hmm. missionary context. Mm-hmm. We'd, we'd like to see more. So... Okay, well, then you're going to need to start saying that is what matters to us, that we want to measure that. We want to say, okay, next year do we have seven, and then a year after that do we have 15. And Mm. the interesting thing to me is something like Sunday morning seating or those kind of things probably are, you know, auxiliary data points. They're, they're, They're things that might actually grow if you started measuring the right things. But in the end, it wouldn't matter to you. So it w- wouldn't matter whether or not you, your your Sunday morning attendance goes up to 100 or goes up to 1,000. If the thing that you really wanted to see was sending yeah. and you started counting that and you saw that going up, then you'd think, okay, this is, this is something to celebrate. God is at work mm-hmm. here. And if it doesn't, this is the important thing, because that's the, the backside, the shadow side of a metric is when we're not living up to our hopes and dreams and when, when we're not the answer to our own prayers— what do we do? We just change the metrics. Or well, something else. Well, or, or or we need to I don't know fast and pray and mm-hmm. and uh, be strategic and and dream and be creative and try something else. Mm-hmm. Like keep keep at it. Not- yeah, because I think in saying that you know measure something else, sometimes it's easier just to go. Well, look, this is working well. Let's just measure this. But actually, God had said something to us that we should be measuring right. something else. We should be serving something else. So it is that mm-hmm. call to actually, no, this is difficult. We need to work at this again. We need to pray. We need to fast on this. I think some of the other things that 
maybe less missional, but some of the other things that we should consider measuring is are is the body of Christ being used? Are the the priesthood of all believers being used? Are, yeah. are, do we have many people up the front speaking or leading prayers or leading worship or out in the community or, you know, measuring the number of people who are involved? Because I think there's a lot of places, um, a lot of churches where it's the one person doing everything and they think that's their job to do it. So they yeah. have to do it rather yeah. than empowering others. And how do we measure empowering others to do stuff well it's 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 like signs of discipleship i think i think what we're what we're dealing with because occasionally i when i'm consulting a church or something i get into their bylaws and i can actually see what they would have said 50 60 years ago was what they wanted from their members you know and sometimes in the bylaws you'll see church attendance so members have to attend Mm -hmm. giving Mm -hmm. they have to give and then submission or serving somehow in the church somewhere, serving under the leadership, serving under the, the disciplinary system. And that's it. Yeah, and that's what we measure then. And then that's what you end up measuring because that's what you expected a disciple to do. Show up on Sunday morning, be a good soldier, help out occasionally and give your money. And so that's that's what we thought the marks of discipleship mm-hmm. was. Well, look, I, that's not what I think the primary marks of discipleship are. What What do you think? What does the listener think? What, is, what does a church leader think are the real marks of discipleship? Have the courage to measure it. Have the courage to say that. If it's, if it's witness in your workplace or if it's, I don't know, uh, hospitality in your home towards strangers or towards the, those that don't know Jesus or, I don't know, a certain kind of like investment in your own children. What do you think mm. are the marks of discipleship? Well, then look at it. Mm. Take a, take a deep look and see: Are we helping people do that? Are we helping people in increasing number? Uh, you know, be disciples. Whatever we think that means. It just it just surely it can't just be. I come to church once a week and I give some money. That yeah. just you hope not. That's that can't be enough. Yeah. <laughs> and. It, I think it, the danger as well, as you, you talked earlier, when, when you, if, you know, if you're to list, these are the six things we should be now measuring. The danger is that people just get obsessed with those. And I think, as you say, it's, it's different in different contexts. There's different purposes. There's Good different point. things we measure. Yeah. Churches are different. So yeah. we shouldn't be, you know, there may be, be some general things that we should be measuring, but there is specific things that each church needs to consider. Think about what it is about them that they need to measure. What's the important thing that they do and serving their community that we need to be measuring and celebrating. I think when we measure stuff, it is the celebrating. What things do we celebrate? Yeah. Well, I, I I think that social scientists' response to something like Goodhart's Law, they would say that the way to avoid the problem of kind of undermining the target is to allow for autonomous, contextualized adjustment to the metric. So go back to the Soviet factory. You know, if you have a manager there that gets that's actually owning the mission yeah. of producing, I don't know, usable nails for the country, they're seeing it happen like quickly, yeah. like within a 24-hour period. Well, that's those nails are too small. This is Yeah. So you, I think you're exactly right. It's it's we can't have metrics that are just delivered from the top down. Yeah. That yeah. somebody in some smoke-filled room somewhere yeah. said this is what we're chasing. Um because we will then I think undermine those metrics inadvertently, you know, instead it has to be people on the ground, maybe even in the, in the very smallest expression of the church, like groups of 10, 20, mm-hmm. 30 people who are saying, this is what matters to us. This is what we're going to count. This is what we're chasing. So uh, obviously for us in a micro church 
with a bias towards microchurches, that's where I think the metrics should be defined. Not the system, not the not the network. The network shouldn't say we're all counting this. Yeah. Although at the same time, a denomination or a network or a movement probably has broad things that they measure. So even, you know, I think we've talked about this before when we talked about the Microchurch podcast. We talked about worship, community, and mission as three things that make up the church. And inevitably, they somehow become a thing that we measure because you want to see those three things happening in a microchurch. You want to see those things lived out. You're not saying specifically what those things look like, but you have to let the small expression of the church go, okay, what does worship look like? Worship is important, but what does worship look like in our context? It's not saying we need X yeah. amount of people, we need to sing that amount of songs or anything like that. But there, I think I think a denomination or a, a network can probably have broad values about what they're about, what makes them distinctive. But yeah. they can be very specific that you're putting numbers on those things for the individual smaller churches. Yeah, maybe that's a good distinction is the the centralized, you know, form of the church entity maybe does hold a standard you know they the gift that they give us is to you know hold our feet to the fire on something Mm -hmm. but i'm just not sure metrics is the thing that they should be holding our feet to the fire we but 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 the value is but what are you measuring and how are people becoming Mm -hmm. disciples in your community and it's up to you to define that to say, okay, we work with addicts, or we work with kids, uh, or we work with women coming out of prostitution or something. Well, look, discipleship's going to look very different for those three communities. Yeah. So uh, we can't tell you exactly what to count. It could be days of sobriety, mm-hmm. right? It could be, it could be uh, for a teenager, it could be a bold gesture of verbal witness or something. Mm-hmm. We're, it wouldn't be right for us as a centralized thing to just sort of top down, drop in. Yeah. This is what you should be counting, yeah. but w- w- you should be counting something. Yeah, and I think how what do you define those? If you're someone in a denomination who's meeting with a small church, saying what are you counting? You could very easily say, well, we do worship on a Sunday morning, we have prayer on a on a Wednesday evening, we have Bible study for Christians, and it's all inward looking stuff. Yeah. There has to be something. We'll go. Well, what's the yeah. outlook? Like? Sure. How do we live yeah. out? Yeah. So there is. Yeah, there's those broad things. It can't be specific, but there has to be the challenge. Well, what does mission look like in your church? You've forgotten that part. Mm -hmm. Or what does community look Mm -hmm. like? You know, people come along, they sit separately, they don't talk to each other, people don't see each other outside. So there is those broad things that maybe would be helpful for someone to consider. But they have to contextualize it, obviously, themselves. Yeah, and I I would say if if you have to ask, okay, what what metric would God care about, maybe? I mean, that's that's a tenuous question, but... I, again, I just I go back to to Jesus and him asking the question, you know, where are the other nine? And mm-hmm. it is a penetrating question for our churches, for yeah. our microchurches, for our Christian things. Like, okay, the, the, you you're the ones that know me. Mm-hmm. Where's everyone else? Yeah, yeah. Where's everyone else within a, a mile or two mile radius of this place you're meeting who are in are in real crisis or turmoil or need? existential physical emotional mm-hmm. need where are they why are they not here what are you doing to love them to know them to reach them to lay down your life for them to love them as i have loved you you know to whom much is given much is required i for me that's that's where metrics have real value yeah. is it's 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 making me ask the question where are the other nine and to not not i don't know be a coward and and ignore 
that those people also matter to God, not just the 10 people we have or the 50 people mm-hmm. we have that come here and I'm going to do my very best to love them and take care of them yeah. and provide a good community for them. That those are, That's meaningful. Yeah. I'm not saying it isn't, but what about the other nine? Yeah. You know? And I think that has to come from a, a real change of heart and understanding God's heart for that. It's not just, again, treating it as a metric that we just go, well, let's just double our numbers, but actually caring for the people that are there yeah. and understanding them yep. um, and loving them. Yeah, maybe in the end, um, one of the few metrics that maybe the the New Testament gives us is baptism. You know, mm-hmm. which is such a so much going on in a in baptism. You know, it's yeah. <clears throat> it is it is pro, it is conversion. You know, it is passing from life to death. It is it is you know by faith salvation by faith. It is also public witness. It is discipleship and the association of our of my life being associated with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and this like physical dramatic thing. Um, and so, you know, we're just going to run off how many people can we dunk in the water, but how many people's lives are going for passing because of the work we do, because of the prayers we pray, because of the community we form how many people are passing from death to life mm-hmm. and now, you know, dying in the batter, the waters of baptism to rise in fellowship with Jesus and then entering into the family of God. Mm-hmm. Man, if that doesn't matter to you, yeah, yeah, if that, if that doesn't just thrill you to see one more person mm-hmm. and to hope for two instead mm-hmm. of one or mm-hmm. three instead of two, yeah. I don't, something's not quite right with our hearts if we're just saying, wow, we're just not interested in that at all. Mm. Um, it's, it's, we shouldn't be interested in that. Yeah, and yeah. I think there's lots of churches in Ireland who, you know, and we're the same, there's, you know, all over the place where baptisms don't happen very often. Yeah. And then the question is, well, why don't they? And where's our heart? And maybe it starts right back with prayer and seeking God and right. asking God, where, where does that happen? Give us a heart for that again. Um, show us where we can do that or how we can do that, how we can serve people. And maybe that's a, that's a question I would ask you. Like what's a, what's, a, I mean, if someone was saying, okay, I'm listening to this and I'm, I'm kind of stirred up here. I realize we're, we're not doing this the way we should, or what's a piece of advice, you know, that you would give them? What, what's something they should go and do? Maybe? I think it'd be hell. I wonder would it be helpful sitting down and going, what are the things we measure? We may not have it written down in our bylaws, but what are the things that we celebrate? What are the things we talk about in a Sunday morning? What are the things we get people up the front to talk about? What things do we yeah. measure now? And are they the right things or do we need to reevaluate? Yeah. And, you know, I think by understanding the culture of the church, each independent church, you, you work out the things you celebrate. And do we have balance? Do we have balance between people who aren't here and the people who are here are we seeing transformation in the people here and are we seeing a transformation in the community witness in the community what does that look like so evaluating i suppose where you're at and then take a look yeah and taking time then to pray through that and fast through that and and maybe come up with some sort of metrics of things you want to see and maybe it's it's not going okay we've done this in the year 2019 and the year in 2039 we're still doing the same things it's reviewing it after a year or two years ago are these still things we want to measure (laughs) yeah yeah, I, I I think that's great advice. Maybe maybe I would just I would say after you do that evaluation, my piece of advice would be just pick one, hmm. just pick one thing and say for the next year, just one year, yeah, <laughs> not forever. You don't know, but for one year, just say, can we just kind of die on this hill, like as a community, and then bring it to your whole community and say, 
it should be prophetic. You know, it should be like this is God stirring our yeah, hearts. Let's yeah. let's all chase this together yeah, and just see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Um, see if God doesn't show up in mm-hmm. that process. But don't don't get seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. Metrics. Yeah. You know that you're. You know, you, maybe you're just dooming yourself to yeah. to mediocrity in all of them. Just pick what is the one that really most moves you for this time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Good good chat. Yeah, man. You've been listening to Mission Disco, a podcast by Praxis Movement. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Praxis Movement. Subscribe, like, or download this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or online at praxismovement.com.